The Lord be with you and also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Where the dawn of the east meets the twilight of the west and the cool of the north touches the calm of the south and the transcendent power of God touches earth in the humility and love of Christ. Here and now where the head of the Charles reaches out to the heart of the country, we gather for ordered worship. The liturgy, music, and homily this day are offered in the praise of God for our gathered congregation here within Marsh Chapel, for our radio congregation across New England at WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership now and later at WBUR.org around the globe. We welcome your prayerful and material support, your written or emailed responses, your self-selection of forms of leadership and service in our midst, And as the Spirit moves, come Sunday, your presence with us here in worship. This is the day the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God.
we pray together. Almighty God, you have given your only Son to be for us a sacrifice for sin and also an example of godly life. Give us grace to receive, thankfully, the fruits of this redeeming work and to follow daily in the blessed steps of his most holy life. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated. As we come now to a time of prayer, we receive a letter from the Reverend Milton Jordan, retired Methodist elder in Georgetown, Texas, one of our regular radio congregants. He writes, few of us, a few of us remember the liturgical year we followed in the old Methodist book of worship, 1960. That lectionary repeated only a single year cycle of readings. The season now called ordinary time was two seasons, Sundays after Pentecost and Sundays in Kingdom Tide. Kingdom Tide began in late August each year and moved toward Christ the King Sunday, the season's primary focus. Kingdom Tide came out of the social gospel movement of the early 20th century. The theological ground of the season grew primarily out of the Boston University School of Theology. Those teaching there and others emphasized John Wesley's teaching that personal piety could not be separated from social justice without both losing all vitality. Perhaps we should reclaim Kingdom Tide for the 21st century. It certainly will not hurt that we begin reading the letter of James in a week or two. Happy Kingdom Tide to all. We thank Reverend Milton Jordan for his correspondence. In our time of prayer, may we consider quietly the connection in our own lives between personal and social holiness. Let us pray as the choir sings.
hear good news. If we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. A lesson from the first book of Kings, chapter 2, verses 10 through 12, and chapter 3, verses 3 through 14. Then David slept with his ancestors and was buried in the city of David. The time that David reigned over Israel was forty years. He reigned seven years in Hebron and thirty-three years in Jerusalem. So Solomon sat on the throne of his father David, and his kingdom was firmly established. Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of his father David, Only he sacrificed and offered incense at the high places. The king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the principal high place. Solomon used to offer a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I should give you. And Solomon said, You have shown great and steadfast love to your servant, my father David, because he walked before you in faithfulness, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart toward you. And you have kept for him this great and steadfast love, and have given him a son to sit on his throne today. And now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David, although I am only a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in, and your servant is in the midst of the people whom you have chosen, a great people, so numerous they cannot be numbered or counted. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, able to discern between good and evil. For who can govern this your great people? It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. God said to him, Because you have asked this, and have not asked for yourself long life or riches, or for the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right, I now do according to your word. Indeed, I give you a wise and discerning mind. No one like you has been before you, and no one like you shall arise after you. I give you also what you have not asked, both riches and honor all your life. No other king shall compare with you. If you will walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked, Then I will lengthen your life. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
A lesson from the Epistle to the Ephesians, chapter 5, verses 15 through 20. Be careful, then, how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of time, because the days are evil. So do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, singing and making melody to the Lord in your hearts, giving thanks to God the Father at all times and for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. The word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. Please join me in reading responsibly verses from Psalm 111 with the antiphon. Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright in the congregation. Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. Full of honor and majesty are the works of the Lord, whose righteousness endures forever. Who has gained renown by his wonderful deeds, the Lord is gracious and merciful. The Lord provides food for those who fear him and is ever mindful of his covenant. The Lord has shown his people the power of his works in giving them the heritage of the nations. The works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever to be performed with faithfulness and uprightness. The Lord sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is God's name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. The praise of the Lord endures forever. Brothers and sisters, please stand as you are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri, the reading of the gospel, and the singing of our hymn.
Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. John, chapter 6, verses 51 through 58. Glory to you, O Lord. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood abide in me, and I in them, just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father. So whoever eats me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like that which your ancestors ate and they died, but the one who eats this bread will live forever. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, Lord Christ.
Please be seated. The form of today's sermon is borrowed from the work of C.S. Lewis, The Screwtape Letters, although today's preacher neither shares Lewis's fuller theology nor believes in a literal devil. My dear Wormwood, again it is my pleasure to write your annual review, you devil you. No uncle was ever prouder of a nephew than I am of you, Wormwood, given the excellent successful year you have had making devilry among the good people of planet Earth. As chief representative of the fallen angels in this part of the universe, I have a close relationship with the Prince of Darkness himself, our father below. You may rest assured that news of your various nefarious victories will sink to his hellish level. In particular, Your work in the United States of America, Wormwood, has been nothing short of masterful. I take my horns off to you, one devil to another, and salute your destructivity. You have kept them fighting among themselves, morning to night like children in the marketplace, solely citing their own interests, assured that the one truth they each hold is the only truth, the only crayon in the box. Excellent, Wormwood, excellent. I could not have done better myself, even when I wore a younger devil's tail. Keep at it, nephew, keep at it. Set them one against the other, a man against his own house, a house divided, rich against poor, red against blue, radical against fundamentalist, communist against tea partier, personal ethics against social justice, doing against being. Oh, the thrill we have to observe such needless hurt. Good boy. With this letter, I enclose your official promotion, commendation, and ribbon as Demon of the Year with special commendation for inciting divisive discord, in particular in the lower 48. Wormwood, you devil, you. Now, Wormwood, it would not do for me your affectionate uncle Screwtape, superintendent of demons in the near Milky Way, to let you go without a little avuncular advice. Call it a little devilish Dutch uncle advice to keep you on your way. Down below, they are considering this year, this fall, in major proportion, the great hope of a land of the free and a home of the brave, a community with liberty and justice for all, a place where those who have much might not have too much, and those who have little might not have too too little. Oh, It cools the fires of hell to hear such loving rhetoric. Here are some bits of wisdom, Wormwood, my dear nephew, from your affectionate uncle, Screwtape. Be most careful, Wormwood, not to let any of these groups you have so carefully set upon each other with daggers drawn get Solomon's idea that wisdom comes from the humility of service, that wisdom is justified by deeds, that wisdom is justified by all her children, that wisdom comes in more than one color. Make sure the blue stay blue and the red stay red. Flee the color purple wormwood with its recognition of dialectical thought, its movement toward full truth, its bow before the sin all share, its willingness to learn the painful lesson of humility within a time of humiliation. Keep them fighting. Keep the Presbyterians denouncing pride and forgetting about sloth and falsehood. 
Keep the Methodists denouncing sloth and forgetting about pride and falsehood. Keep the Lutherans denouncing falsehood and forgetting about pride and sloth. Yes, excellent. Purple is dangerous to us, Wormwood. If the blue start seeing that the red have a point here and there, or at least that real change is real hard and takes real work and real time, including actually showing up at the polls on voting day, your cause is lost. Keep them shouting at each other like children in a marketplace, one group wanting to play weddings and another wanting to play funerals, pipes versus wails, dances versus weepings. Take the purple out of their crayon boxes. You want gated communities, the demise of public schools, lines of suburban-urban separation, racial disease and distrust, class separations, ideological fences, and a verbal, verbal war of all against all. Tweet by tweet by tweet. Children in the marketplace, as their savior said, yes, Wormwood, yes, well done. And keep them discouraged in defeat. When they lose, make sure they lose hope, too. I am worried about far-sighted, eloquent, hopeful leaders like that Mario Cuomo a generation ago. Remember when he got defeated? On the night of his defeat, remember what he said? He said, I come from a religion where the whole symbol of the religion ended in condemnation and crucifixion. But that wasn't the full measure of the experience. That's just the way it ended. This is a metaphor for everybody's life, that it is in the living that you make your mark. Sometimes you win, and sometimes you lose. Here is another example. I hear the good heart, the Solomonic heart and mind of some of their leaders saying something about children, about the need for education and health care for all children and young adults across the land through age 21. Wormwood, this is peril for us. Beyond the kibiv. If that country ever got behind that idea and every child had medical care, education, respect, oh, it worries me. Why, the natural aristocracy, as Ortega called it, would come to the service over time. Keep them pinned down. Keep their leaders pinned down, Wormwood, in tragic conflict, in financial red ink, in culture wars, and be vigilant, because sometimes they begin to get the idea. You remember many years ago how that 11-year-old Boy Scout, Brennan Hawkins, was lost for a month in the Utah mountains, and 3,000 searchers looked for four days until they found him? The lost was found. Oh, the joy they had in it, too. It's like the joy a Christian has at bringing a friend, relative, neighbor to church to experience love and faith. There's no greater joy. It makes my devil's blood freeze. When they found Brennan, the rescuer said, I feel relieved and happy. Oh, Lordy. See, if they really meant it, if they really chose to live with hope against hope, hoping for what they do not see and waiting for it with patience, we'd be out of business in your part of the hemisphere, Wormwood, and business has been so good of late. Another example, Wormwood. 
We head devils hate to hear about people moving from poverty to well-being. We want a permanent underclass so that we can use that we can use to foment division. We want a few people to have almost all the money. Excellent. But this country and its churches, especially those Methodists, have always championed social mobility like that in the churches of Paul way back when. Paul's urban Christians were status inconsistent, and so are the living churches today. They are vibrant. They are diverse. Take that chapel down in Boston there, not far from you, Wormwood, you devil you. Marsh Chapel. They are of many colors and hues and shapes and backgrounds. They resemble the globe on a Sunday. They know and they live. The universal gospel of the living bread come down from heaven with whom to be in communion is eternal life. That bothers me, Wormwood, to hear such preaching, that ongoing incessant acclamation of a word of faith and a pastoral voice toward a common hope. It is irritating. It really frosts my preserves. See what you can do to keep people from listening on the radio, or worse, horror of horrors, showing up in worship. Those Marsh Chapel people are like that Paul of Tarsus. He was a thorn in my flesh, that apostle to the Gentiles. We need to keep people in their place. I tell you, nephew, it bothers me when I read about a young woman, Della May Justice, who was a 15-year-old foster child living in a hut with a dirt floor until her uncle came and found her and took her into his own home. He was an attorney in Kentucky. She said it was like little orphan Annie going to live with the Rockefellers. Listen to this, Wormwood. Listen to what she said and see if it doesn't freeze your blood, she said. It was not easy. I was shy and socially inept. For the first time, I could have the right clothes, but I didn't have any idea what the right clothes were. I didn't know much about the world, and I was always afraid of making the wrong move. When we had a school trip for chorus, we went to a restaurant. I ordered a club sandwich, but when it came with those toothpicks on either end, I didn't know how to eat it. So I just sat there, well, staring at it and starving and saying I didn't feel well. Her uncle educated her, educated her at Berea College, a cool school set up especially for hardworking children of the poor who want a fine education. And now, a generation later, she is an attorney in his firm. Wormwood, be on the lookout. This kind of story will find it in its way into somebody's pulpit, into some sermon come Sunday if it's not snuffed out. See we have on our side in the newspapers and work at it, if you will. Or look at this matter of the queen of soul. When one young woman grows up in the church, her dad a preacher, and then she starts singing and she has a voice from, you know, up there, heaven, Pretty soon all those divisions we worked so hard to set up start melting. Gospel against rock, jazz against R&B, spirituality against sensuality. And pretty soon you have the queen of soul whose music is universally loved. I mean it, Wormwood. Purple can be a sound as well as a color, as well as a voice, as well as a word. 
Keep them all divided up if you can and get that purple crayon out of their national, their existential crayon, crayon box. Purple means a common shared hope for a common shared future. Get rid of it, nephew, wormwood, you devil you. Confusion, miscommunication, mistrust. These are your best allies, my shrewd nephew. And there I must compliment you. You've done so much to them through technology and they have barely caught up 10%. They have hardly any idea. But be careful. Over time, they could catch on. They must not be allowed to remember the lessons of the past. Like that Solomon and his wise measured understanding or that author of Ephesians talking about personal, communal balance and discipline, all that keep calm, carry on malarkey, or especially that fourth gospel ever announcing the hope of the presence of the divine. The last thing on earth our fearless leader, the prince of darkness, wants is a hope of planetary peace. Then people would be free, purple crayon in hand, to draw a picture of a nation and a world that can work, measured by the condition of the least, the last, and the lost. Let me be blunt, Wormwood. When you see a red woman and a blue man determined to think together, learn from each other, and work side by side, and they have lunch at a table adorned in purple, close that restaurant. We just cannot have that kind of synthesis going on. Thesis, yes. Antithesis, yes but no synthesis. Red we can stand, blue we can handle. It is the color purple that is our downfall. We cannot afford that kind of creativity, new creation, new thinking. We can't have Bob Gates defending John Brennan on the basis of what is true, right, hopeful, and just. That Bob Gates, that Texas Methodist, always out there doing good for others, now in business, here at a college, there in the Defense Department with the red and then the blue, and then fixing up the Boy Scouts' mistake, mistaken direction about gay boys. Then here he is again, supporting John Brennan over against emerging authoritarianism. Purple. Gates is purple to the core. Beware that kind of person, Wormwood. That is purple, and that is our peril. Wormwood, you devil, you. Let me be blunter, Wormwood. When you see a church, one of the last places people actually gather, if they gather at all, that is both red and blue and putting on a robe with a purple hue, you weaken that church. A denomination like those Methodists that stands for children, for the poor, for social mobility, for justice, for biblical dialectical thought, not just the thunderbolts from far left and far right. You drain that swamp. Get them so worked up with each other that they just can't work together. Have them so entirely invested in resistance that they have no energy or imagination or voice for restoration. Restoration. That is the purple hope, the purple trouble, the purple hue. Make them angry, not hopeful. Keep them angry, not hopeful. I have one specific request, dear nephew. Keep your eye on that chapel in Boston. You know the one on Commonwealth Avenue. They're growing. They're building. They preach that purple common hope. 
They love children. They're learning to tithe. They're starting to invite. Work on them, Wormwood. Make them fear the unknown. Make them tentative. Make them forget their outreach to students, their welcome of faculty, their mission, work, and children's programs. Make them accentuate divisions, all divisions, gender, race, ethnicity, orientation, class, sweet divisions, sweet divisions. Make them disagree whenever they can. I will check your work at our Halloween review. Halloween, what a fitting good time for the two of us to be together, Wormwood. And put your horns, pitchfork, and tail into it, Wormwood, you devil you. Hold back that Solomonic wisdom. Hold back that teaching from Ephesians. Hold back that gospel promise in John. I send you best wishes for all that is predatory and mendacious, my dear nephew. And remember my theme song, your Uncle Screwtape's favorite, stolen from the poet Blake. When Satan first the black bow bent and the moral law from the gospel rent, he turned the law into a sword, spilt the blood of mercy's Lord. As ever, your affectionate uncle, Screwtape. We now come to the time in our service when we turn our hearts and minds to prayer and lift up our lives and ourselves to God. Please assume an attitude and posture of prayer by either remaining seated standing, kneeling, or coming to the communion rail as we sing together our call to prayer, Lead Me, Lord. As a mother setting food before her hungry children, God satisfies our most basic needs and our deepest longings. Confident that we have a solicitous God, we pray now for our church and our world, saying together, Lord, hear our prayer. Because we need to be nourished by your word and sacrament, we pray for our church that we might both be willing to eat of your food and drink of your wine, and in turn be food and drink for one another. In faith we pray to you, O God. 
Lord, hear our prayer. Because we live and act in ways that are not in accordance to your will, we pray that our world may not continue in ignorance, but discern what is truly good and just. In faith, we pray to you, O God. Lord, hear our prayer. Because we are prone to be competitive and unconcerned about one another, we pray for all leaders that we might find in them examples of generous service and self-forgetfulness. In faith, we pray to you, O God. Lord, hear our prayer. Because there are so many poor and hungry people in our world, we pray that we may be generous in giving, compassionate in serving, and sensitive in understanding the needs of others. In faith, we pray to you, O God. Lord, hear our prayer. Because our world is pervaded by a spirit of skepticism and mistrust, we pray that we might come together in love, conversation, and compassion. In faith, we pray to you, O God. Lord, hear our prayer. Because we have often been nourished and supported by our ancestors who have gone before us, we pray that they continue to be a cloud of witness to us and all that we encounter in our earthly pilgrimage. In faith, we pray to you, O God. Lord, hear our prayer. All loving God, the source of our being, we praise and thank you for your care. Hear the prayers that we have made in faith. As a gracious mother, feed us with the bread of life so that we may abide with you forever. We make this prayer, as always, through Jesus Christ our Lord. And now, with the confidence of children of God, we are bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be always with you. 
We greet you once again here in the nave of Marsh Chapel and invite you to participate in our ritual of friendship by putting your name and contact information in the red books found along the center aisle of each pew, passing that book along to your neighbors so that we can get to know you better and help you get to know one another better throughout the coming week. We look forward next Sunday to rounding out our summer preacher series with the Reverend Scott Donahue Martins. The following Sunday, uh, in the beginning of September, we will be celebrating our annual Matriculation Sunday, welcoming new students to the Boston University community. This is thus your two-week reminder to enjoy the calm of campus before the chaos begins. We look, uh, we look forward to a number of uh, new and emerging offerings in the fall term. Keep an eye to the chapel website at bu.edu chapel for more information about that. The term book will be coming out in the coming weeks as well. Also available on the ch- chapel website is the opportunity for online giving. As the ushers wait upon us for the morning offering, we invite you to meditate on Orlando de Lasso's setting of Illumino Oculus Meus. Now walk in love as Christ loves us, an offering and sacrifice to God.
he give thee but thine own, whate'er the gift may be. All that we have is thine alone, a trust, O Lord, from thee. Bless these gifts and the givers, we pray in Christ. Amen. it is the God who said, let light shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, O Lord. In his name we pray. Amen. 